Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 117. 117. I like this one because when I write my ones and sevens, they sort of look similar. That's cool. You know? Yeah, no, I do. Sorry. <laughs> I was just picturing I was picturing a, a configuration of those and all I could see was the that S, that fabled S that was like uh, often attributed oh, stu- to like Stussy, but Stuxy? it's Stussy is S? the is the brand, but it's not actually. There it's the, Vice went deep on an article on this and it Ooh. was not actually Stussy. It it actually remains an unknown unknown origin. But maybe Let's we'll sh- maybe we'll show notes that. that. Yeah, that that Vice article is great. Yeah. Uh, and you know what else was great, Grant? This episode, 117, first guest of season four, and she was a total delight, uh, super smart, super insightful. Uh, Wes K.O. Yes. joined the program to talk about impact. Totally. And this is a bit of a podcastception or episodeception or hyperlinking within episodes where we can point back to the Seth Godin episode as, I, as Seth is the person who introduced Wes and I and just uh, getting to know her has just been such a treat. She's such a, she's such a unique, driven, like generous character. Uh, having her on was such a treat and and she runs um the alt mba program out of seth's office and so she's doing some really like cool work with that and and empowering a lot of people and and yeah i mean she was she was great to have on absolutely and the conversation was great too talking about something that uh often sort of dances on the periphery of the conversations we have which is what's important and how do we make it more important and and how do we define the things that matter to us and the outcomes that matter to us absolutely and uh yeah and we called that impact and she is definitely making one so thank you wes for your work and for coming on the show and thank you to this episode's sponsor which is simplecast it is the tool we use to publish the podcast it is truly simple it uh takes a lot of the heavy lifting uh out of uh out of the way and moves those obstacles so thank you absolutely quite an impactful Uh, product extremely useful we also use it uh i have another podcast that we use it for and it's it's completely just the most hassle-free intuitive platform that you could ask for and And we're not we're not going to name your other podcast and we're not going to show notes it (laughs) that's right that's our new policy around here is net is just to not season four i like that i actually do like that (laughs) (laughs) okay uh well Thank you, Simplecast, for your patronage. And thank you, Wes Kao, for taking the time to have that conversation with us. Thank you, listeners, for listening now. And always hope you enjoy episode 117, Impact. So Grant, we're going to do the show without you this week. I was going to say, well, usually I try and cordon off the guests I bring on. I try and keep them as far away from Vinny as possible. Do you like to you like to turn them against me? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Actually, I do. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, I know. No, I know. Unless We've been do the show for like four years. Unless it benefits me, then occasionally I'll pop onto your team, Vince. <laughs> Vinny. Hey, Grant. Man, what a treat to hear your voice. Also, oh, that- I like I like when I call you Vin or Vinny. I just I, into those old habits so quick, and then the guest will pick up on that, and it's like we're all we're all just old homies. I do, I do. <laughs> I'm already tipping our hand because uh, we don't usually introduce the guest this early. But you know what? I I do feel like her and myself are old friends even though this is the first time we're meeting oh god um okay well let's let's you know what this time let's get right to it we usually we just belabor the point here we leave the guest Mm -hmm. hanging yep it's just this do that i find comfort in the tension but i feel like a lot of people don't so vince perhaps you could tell me what you're working on (laughs) uh yeah I'd love to, Grant. Um, well, today I was pretty busy with a new pitch that we've got going on 
always the most fun and exciting and hectic time at an agency. So it's been consuming a lot of my not only office hours, but also once you get home and then the office follows you there at those hours too. Do you remember that show? Was it called The Pitch? It was like a short lived. It was oh called my The God. Pitch. <laughs> Very rightfully short lived. <laughs> Let's show notes that because program. that's phenomenal. Yeah, the premise was right. There were like advertising agencies pitching against each other to yeah. win the business, and there was like tons of manufactured drama. It was yeah, yeah. Obviously, it was obviously not real. It's toxic. Yeah. It was horrifying. A bad, a black eye for the industry for sure, which already has like 10 black eyes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fell down some stairs, <laughs> drunk at work again. <laughs> uh, I guess we can't blame it. Yeah. Grant, what have you been putting your time into recently? What are you uh, working on? I've been pitching actually a couple projects as well, but more like uh, music video type stuff. And then I've got a music video in post and a bunch of stuff for Death to Stock. Got some sort of rebrand stuff we're uh, we're we're launching, so that's been good. Uh, and actually, now we've got two two of the boys, uh, Death to Stock boys, in uh, in Los Angeles. Mr. Mr. David who Sherry moved there. Yep, and Mr. Oh, David yeah, Sherry. And yes, of course, friend of the show, Mr. Sherry. What a treat! And actually, I think the last time I saw Mr. Sherry was in New York. Actually, when uh when we actually saw our guest for the last time as well. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We've got the whole rainbow connection going on here. We've got you from there to here with this guy that we mentioned. I've got a board up in uh, in my studio here with <laughs> red yarn, red thread running between all of the connections And they here. all run back to David Sherry. <laughs> yeah, every definitely. yarn, every string. Uh, of course. Uh so, as we've alluded to, uh, our guest today, and she is still in New York, uh, and I'm so excited to have her on. Um, I feel like we've been we've been chatting about having her on for a while, and I've just really respected the work she's been doing, and uh, getting to spend some time with her in New York was a real treat as well. And that is Wes Cow, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but she is the director of the Alt-MBA program uh, with Seth Godin, and is working in Seth's office really closely with him. And uh, welcome to the show, Wes. Hey, guys. How is, my, how is my pronunciation? It's actually K.O., but K-O. I was going to let it slide. Thank you. Uh, but yes. It's, it's, it's okay. I can handle West it. K-O. It's, it's, all, it's all good, though. That's kind of badass. Well, it's a bit I of mean, a boxer vibe. Like, yeah. It's such an upgrade from cow, though. Yeah, like, I know. As I said it, I knew it was wrong. I could feel it was wrong. <laughs> you, you could just feel it. Yeah, it, did, it didn't, didn't feel appropriate to you. You feel like more of a knockout punch kind of gal. There we go. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so, Wes Kale, thank you for joining us. Uh, indeed, we've been looking forward to having you on the show for a while now. And can I do the honors of asking you, what are you putting your time into recently? What are you working on? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, most of my time these days, being based out of New York, working on the Alt MBA, is figuring out how to grow our workshop um, and reach out to leaders who would benefit um, doing the program and be glad to know that we exist. Hmm. Could you give a little bit more background on what Alt-MBA is? Yeah, the Alt-MBA is the brainchild of Seth Godin. And uh, it's been around for about a year and a half. The workshop is a one-month intensive sprint where we bring together about 100, 120 leaders Um, who are looking to learn how to become better change makers, either within their organizations or um, out on their own, doing their own thing. We bring people together. We have 13 hands-on projects that you're working on during the month. There's very little content consumption. It's a lot about hands-on projects and really learning by doing. So we work with organizations like Kickstarter, Slack, Warby Parker, um, all the way to you know the more corporate um, organizations like Coca-Cola, Nike, Lululemon, Pfizer, um, and we have a bunch of freelancers and small business owners too. So it's the common thread I think with the people who do the program is a burning internal fire uh, for wanting to 
make change, make the world a better place, and um, figure out how they can make the biggest impact in doing that. Ooh. Oh. Impact. There it was, man. I think in the in the business, we call that foreshadowing. Um, mm. But um, <laughs> I, I just want to chime in here and say it sounds like a really amazing initiative, a, an awesome project, and it it's awesome that you're doing what you're doing for the project. So thanks for that. And maybe you could quickly parlay that description of what Alt-MBA is into your sort of story on how you got involved with it and where you were before you were attached to it. Yeah. So I started my career in corporate retail, working at The Gap, L'Oreal, Bare Essentials. Uh, and then I made the jump over to the tech startup side and haven't looked back since. So that was a great decision um, because I feel like it, I feel like the internet is you know, a, a place where, yes, there are cat videos, but there's so much that we can do with technology that can really um, make people's lives better. So when I took on this role um, working with Seth and the Alt-MBA, it was a really exciting chance to figure out how to connect people digitally, um, but create an environment where it feels like we're in the same room together and it feels like we're breathing the same air, looking each other in the eye, and um, looping in a lot of those elements of accountability that we have when we're physically working with people and um, working with the team, but doing it in a way that's scalable and that leverages the online tools that are now at our fingertips to really bring people together. Yeah, I mean, shouts out to the internet. Big fan, uh, big fan of that platform. Um, Hat tip. Yeah, yeah. A, a deep bow. I think it's really me. catching on. <laughs> yeah, I've got a feeling this is going to be hot. Um, no, that's awesome. And it's, as uh, as Vince mentioned, a, a bit of foreshadowing, but it sounds like, and, and just in my time um, with you and in seeing some of the work you've been doing, it does feel like impact is at the core of, of what you're doing. Um, you know, today we're going to talk a bit about impact uh, as the topic, but I'm wondering if um, if maybe to like kick us off a little bit into that, you could take a step back and and maybe talk about how that uh, affected your career. You kind of you kind of jumped. You said you jumped from the the retail beauty side, that sort of work. But how did you end up in that, and and what made you uh, make the change to the tech startup world? I've always been interested and curious about why people do the things that they do, why people choose one product over another. And especially in the retail beauty fashion space, it's such a saturated competitive environment that it was always interesting to me that, you know, why would you buy jeans and socks at this place versus this other place? Or why would you buy lipstick at this place versus this other brand? Um, so for me, that was the most interesting part was figuring out how um, the brand and user experience can um, get someone to choose one product versus the other. Um, in terms of switching over to tech, um, I my first foray into that, I guess, was in back when I was in SF, um, I was at an ad tech company called Flight. It was a small Sequoia-backed. Um, company that was doing real-time um, display advertising. So I was there for three years, and um, I saw this opportunity come up to work with Seth. He had posted on his blog that he was looking for a six-month special projects lead um, to help him kind of figure out what to do next and provoke and kind of be a sounding board because um, at that time he had just um, he had just sold Squidoo. So I applied for this position, and um, I remember the interview where the application involved um, a video where you had to um, film three minutes about what you hope to learn, what you hope to build, and what you hope to contribute. And at that point, I remember um, being a huge fan and thinking, God, there must be so many people submitting applications for this, and I don't want to get too emotionally attached, um, so I'm just going to film this video once and call it a day. 
So I filmed it once and it looked good enough. Um, and I just thought, all right, you know what? I'm going to send it in. Um, and lo and behold, uh, I heard back from Seth and, you know, we did a couple rounds of interviewing, saw if it was a good fit. Um, and when I got the role, it was really a no brainer um, to move out here from SF to New York. Do you remember what you, uh, what you talked about in that video? I don't. I could probably dig it up. Uh, it's probably saved somewhere sure. in our Dropbox folders. Well, if if you want, we could always show notes it. We could re- you know dig up that little bit of nostalgia and relive it as a community, as a 10K community. <laughs> but uh, we we don't have to. Uh, that said, we would love to. So send it to us, please. Um, <laughs> so very interesting story. Sounds like calling it a day, it ended up being a heck of a day if it landed you your current gig. Is it safe to say that you feel like, and this is obviously a loaded question, <laughs> uh, your your new your new pastures are helping you make more of an impact than your previous career experience? That is a loaded question. <laughs> I actually I actually think that there's a ton of different ways to an impact. Um, I think that sometimes when we're really um, excited about a certain um, position or role or company, it can feel like that's the only way to move forward or do the work that you want to do. But I think in, especially um, in interacting with a ton of Alt MBA students and alumni, um, there are really so many different ways and levels and paths where you can make a positive difference in the world. So I actually think that, you know, it's, it's great to have a specific set um, goal with where you want to go. But I also think staying open to the opportunities that come your way um, in serendipity almost. Uh, and just staying, just keeping in mind that, you know, if you want to make a difference, that if, if one path seems closed, it doesn't mean that you're destined to not make a difference. So true. It means that there's there's other ways for you to make a difference. And it's up to you to look for those ways. Totally. Yeah, sometimes brute force in general does not get you anywhere. And, and it's uh, I guess that's a, a lot like uh, mentalities around like fitness or any sort of like habit changing is like, okay, 100% all at once. But uh, sometimes it's about being a little bit more flexible and loose and not tense and allowing yourself to kind of flow and find different ways, different paths. Uh, man, it can be, that's such a, I just going through different like career transitions. It's that can be so scary. Um, I'm curious, we were emailing a little bit and, uh, you were talking about that story in the cab ride, um, with your coworker, I think it was Kelly. Um, yes. And this was really interesting to me and I, and I want you to tell that story. Um, but what's interesting to me is uh, is the idea of like impact as productivity, as like being productive, even in like micro situations. Did you maybe just want to tell us that story? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think actually before doing that, yes. going deeper into um, into the just the topic of impact and and thoughts on it, um, I think that staying flexible, staying open, as you're mentioning, Vin. Um, that there are so many ways where if we break open pre-existing constraints that we might have or assumptions that are built into the ways that we can change something, it opens up um, a ton of room to um, to find different options and opportunities. So that actually flows into the story with Kelly because I feel like before my time um, you know, here and, and with the Alt-MBA that I had a much more fixed, predetermined idea of what success looks like and what impact looks like and what I was able or not able to do. And I think because of the Alt-MBA, it's really, it's really helped me to become a more flexible thinker hmm. and to realize that I might have my um, approach, my way of doing things, um, and it might be working, but there are also a ton of other ways that could work. And so with Kelly, you know, we work very closely together. She's basically my co-pilot based out in Toronto in um, running the Altamy program. 
So she does a lot of the in-session stuff. I do a lot of um, the growth strategy and, um, you know, figuring out who should we really be talking to. But uh, with the story that you were mentioning. Yes. So Kelly was in town visiting New York and we um, were having dinner in the city. We were heading back um, into Hastings on Hudson where her hotel was at. That's where I live. Um, And the Uber driver when we were getting close to Hastings missed the turn on the highway and he started, you know, kind of grumbling about it. And my initial instinct, the first thing I thought of was, um, ask him, you know, do you have the right destination location put in to, um, your GPS? So I, my thought was, you know, if, if the location that we had put in when we were setting, you know, having him come pick us up was wrong, we should fix that first. And um, side, you know, benefit was it would it would almost force him to admit that he was wrong, that like it wasn't our fault that he had taken the wrong turn. It was actually his fault that he had taken the wrong turn. Um, so that was that was the first thing I would have said. But before I could say that, Kelly um, chimed in. She spoke up. She said, oh, no, Um what can we do to help? Is there anything we can do to help? And when, when she said that, when I heard that, it was it was like a light bulb went off. First of all, I was a little bit shocked because I thought, Kelly, what are you doing? Like you're admitting, you're asking if he needs help. It's almost admitting that that we, you know, could have done something wrong. Um, but her posture wasn't about logically, factually, you know, was the GPS correct? It was about how do we um, address how our Uber driver is feeling at that moment and, and and address that so that the bigger picture of, you know, if he feels heard and he feels listened to, listened to if he feels like we're on his side, he's much more likely to want to get us to our destination in the fastest, you know, quickest way possible. So that was just a really um, great reminder. And stuff like this happens all the time, not, you know, getting lost in Ubers, but just talking to um, the Alt-MBA team um, or Alt-MBA alumni or Alt-MBA students where, you know, our initial instinct might be to react in a certain way. And that, you know, has historically worked for us. um, But it doesn't mean that there's not a better way that you want to add to your toolkit um, to your, you know, list of, different um you know different ways to handle something because since since that night since that happened there have been multiple situations where i've stopped myself um, and caught myself from kind of going down the really logical path Mm. which tends to be um my way of reacting to things and thought you know is there a different way that i can handle this is there a way that seems almost um counterintuitive yeah but is actually is actually going to get me the result that I'm looking for totally. and help the other person feel good about it in the process. It, it's I, f- I feel like for someone I'm not saying you're necessarily competitive, but I think for like people who are who are high achieving, who are really have a strong desire to like do and make and move forward and be productive. I feel like there is this natural reaction to to just be like to just uh, point out what's wrong and then try and logically fix that. But I think that's such a powerful moment and that happens like every day, all the time. I, f- I feel like um, in directing, uh, I, I I take directing and I see like real life through that a lot of times, but like being on set, uh, it's constantly, it's constantly like talking with someone and it's not about like you being right. It's about you figuring out the best way to achieve it as a group. And I feel like you can mm-hmm. blow that up out, 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 to, like keep stepping back. And like, that is way more, there's so much more humanity available to us. If we're, if we're all thinking like that versus trying to win against each other, you know, cause that's kind of what that is. It's like, no, no, I win. I'm right. You're wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's it's sort of hot button uh, at the moment in today's, yeah. you know, cultural climate. But there is a real phenomenon and I've experienced it in my line of work. And I'm sure most of us have experienced it either personally or, or with close personal friends just in our lives. And that is using the facts as like a, a shield. So th- hear me out. You were right in the Uber. Empirically the Uber driver messed up and you pointing that out would have been empirically right. And you could defend yourself 
perfectly cleanly by saying, well, I'm just pointing out what actually happened in an effort to reach the solution as fast as possible. But what often happens is people use that shield as a sword and instead mm-hmm. of actually trying to, to mend and to create a solution, they take their position, their position is the one with the facts and the truth, and so they're right. And it's up to the person who made the mistake to fix the problem, but what you're doing then is you're just robbing yourself of a chance to work towards a solution with this person. So you're taking your agency out of the problem-solving process. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I think another part of that is realizing that the emotions surrounding a situation have a lot to do with the way that the person reacts and the way that they um, respond to you more so than what the facts of the situation may be. <laughs> and and also that if they don't feel heard and they don't feel seen and listened to and cared about, a lot of what you're saying is not reaching them anyway. So it's almost like unless that person feels like you're on their side, you're it's almost like you're wasting your breath with all those facts and just throwing throwing that at them. Totally. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You you always got to ask yourself what what's the actual positive outcome for any situation, right? And we're not like saying this, well, at least I'm not, I'm, and I assume that it also comes the other way, that we're not, it's not an us versus them, like how to figure out their, their emotional creatures. We have to figure them out because we do the same thing too, right? Yeah. We are often on the other side of the coin. We're the ones reacting uh, emotionally, sometimes even irrationally. And by understanding the way that other people are thinking in these moments of disagreement or when there's a challenge that needs to be overcome, we can also sort of understand how we react in these same situations, right? Yeah, and and actually to to add on to that, I feel like a lot of it has to do with self-restraint. And what I mean by that's that... That's a difficult, yeah, that's a difficult yeah. concept <laughs> even to, to, to someone who's like very aware of it and their need for it. Yeah, I feel like especially um, if you have a certain instinct to react a certain way, uh, let's, you know, continuing on, th- continue on the thread of, let's say, the instinct to want to be right, um, it can feel, it can feel like, like, why do I have to be the bigger person by not mentioning all these things that are legitimate arguments about something? You know, like, it can feel like, um, you know, why do I have to hold back on on saying XYZ when it's the other person's fault for not understanding me or for, for being unreasonable or um, for for acting out, you know? And so I feel like when you feel that, it's super important to, um, to think back on having self-restraint, to think about what is the overall purpose here that I'm trying to go for? Um, what would actually make a positive difference in the conversation we're having and if it if what you're about to say doesn't um add to that doesn't contribute to that then it might be and it probably is smarter to withhold from saying what it is that you want to say and i think that that requires a lot of self-restraint to not just um go on um this this tornado of self-expression where it's like, you know, well, I feel this and you're that and, and just kind of go off and, and just express yourself without a real purpose. But to think back and say, okay, what is, what am I trying to do here? And well, letting that guide what you actually end up saying. So, and bearing in mind that I agree with you as a, as a kind of a high level, Wes, I'm obligated as my role of, of co-host of the show to push back on you here and say and ask to you does nobody ever deserve to be called out then because the call out is basically sort of like the pop culture glib way of describing the interaction that you and we were all talking about where you allow your emotions and your rightness to expose uh, someone who is wrong even though it is not immediately constructive the theory being that it will be constructive in the long term where do you stand on this phenomenon Wes mm, the call out <laughs> the classic call out we've all been called out we've all called out uh, is it 
overused? Do we often do it to make it's ourselves tough, feel man. better when it's not pr- productive or can it be productive? I'm curious. We're kind of talking about like feedback. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think you hit up on something there with, can it be productive? So I think if, if you're thinking about it and you think that this style and this particular, um, approach of mentioning something to someone is going to be productive, then by all means. Um, I think what I'm saying is that when when you're doing it because you feel fired up and you feel um, self-righteous about it, like you feel like you have a moral high ground to say something, um, I think it's th- that might not be enough of a reason to call someone out. Of course, you are correct, and that um, that's why even- the self restraint matters. This is that's why that's why you know self restraint. It's like it feels like you should be able to, and it would feel really good to do it, and you probably would have a great spiel um, to lay out on the person, <laughs> uh-huh. and it would it would feel awesome being able to do it, and you could do a mic drop at the end. But the reason <laughs> yeah. why who doesn't love one of those? <laughs> the reason why the self restraint part comes in is because it does take a lot of willpower in some cases to hold back on that. Take an extra moment to think, is this really going in the direction that we want to go in? Or is the person going to feel bad about themselves and hate me a little bit inside in the process of that? But but it's also important, I don't think you're arguing against this, that sometimes that moment of reflection and repose is always important. Because sometimes the answer might still be, yes, I still do think it's right to call this person out. And even though they'll be upset, I think it'll lead to a greater productivity in the future. Like an obvious example is if you have, if you don't, if you aren't on the same page in a project team and you don't think that allowing some sort of problem or some sort of habit to continue uh, ad infinitum is going to hamper the long-term success or productivity of a project, of course you have to address that earlier on than later. But that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is always reflect first take a breath and make sure it's not emotions that are yeah. leading you to this call out, right? Yeah, I think it's also being intentional about mm. what you're saying and doing. So if you intentionally choose to call someone out, then then that makes sense, right? Based on your analysis of the situation saying, I think this approach work, then yes. I think it's more about being intentional and not letting um, feeling heated kind of run totally. things for you and losing control in that situation yeah at least one, one about- deep breath before you you click send okay. i mean seriously <laughs> yes. though like that oh that's right yeah the undo send feature is uh, incredible also very amazing Phenomenal. and everyone should download that from google Apps. yeah yes absolutely and i, I yeah, oh my god yeah so helpful uh there's a really really good article this is something that's been actually on my mind a lot uh, over the past probably month and a half um just dealing with a small team with that the stock stuff and trying to figure out our dynamics and our, our third partner being in new zealand and just figuring out communication feedback systems all this stuff um, and actually, friend of the show, Sean O'Connor, uh, and actually former Alt MBA, what, what would you call him? Uh, session He's leader? a coach. Sean a coach, coach. Yeah, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. He, he just sent yeah, me an article. Awesome. He just sent me a Harvard Business Review article about feedback. And uh, it was this a story of um, this professor was like studying or uh, he was reviewing. I don't know. I don't know exactly the context or, or maybe he was on the board of this thing. But uh, there's there was this company, this like moving company of some sort, and it was all um, former inmates and sort of in transition. And he just talked about what discipline and the the feedback systems that were in place in order to like relieve the tension of feedback and create accountability among the team and how just how impressed he was and how effective it was. And I do feel like we struggle in general especially with so many forms of communication now and so many different ways to give levels of feedback and and as we were talking about before being digital and maybe not in the same room it can be challenging uh i feel like maybe like two elements that are helpful for me are just one is thinking what like what's the best way for me to communicate uh my feedback and you know let's just say on a bigger thing uh a, a bigger issue sometimes for me i i know I can articulate myself best in like writing uh, maybe like a, a letter or something. Um, and even if I don't send that, using that to guide a conversation. But then also thinking about the recipient of that and, and how do they take feedback. Um, and, and then I guess also just really making sure that you keep the like true north um, 
uh, as the focus? Uh, you know, what are you both trying to accomplish or what are you trying to accomplish as a group or what are you trying to accomplish in general and making it about that, uh, not the person. Um, and I'm actually wondering if we could parlay this into a little bit, uh, about, uh, your maybe true North or maybe the sort of impact that excites you or that you're interested in Wes, like what is, what is important to you in terms of your work and maybe your life or where those intersect? Yeah, it's a big question. It, it is. Um, it is. Biggest question. <laughs> it, it is. Like, it, it's yeah. like a step down from what is the meaning of life to what is the meaning of your life, basically. <laughs> you you, know, right. you, you know, you can take that as you will. It doesn't need to be so ominous. But I am just curious. I do think it's like, because uh, this is a nice forum, I think, to to have that discussion because it you don't ask people that sort of question very often in daily life. And I think it, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, I think so things that excite me. There we go. Um, yeah. Let's start there. I think, <laughs> I think working with smart people who are kind and working on interesting projects that are making a positive difference in the world um, and projects that, might not work. I think those are the the three things that kind of go together. Um, the first part being people who are both smart and kind, because I think it's really easy to find people who are super smart, but maybe, you know, not people you'd want to spend a lot of time with or that are very um, easy to talk to or warm or generous. And then there's people who are um, really nice, but might not um, be as interesting to work with um, intellectually. So I feel like that combination of both smart and nice um, is huge for me. And I feel very, very lucky because the Alt-MBA HQ team is incredible. I learn from them every day. Um, the Alt-MBA students and alumni, again, just the the amount of um, the, the track records of um our alumni and students and the amount of generosity that they have about helping each other and sharing what they know is just mind boggling. So um, I feel like that's a huge part of it. And then the other part with um, working on projects that are a making positive difference and B um, something that might not work is really interesting because for me, half the fun is in the struggle of not really knowing if it can be done. So I think those those things combined um, make for really really fulfilling work for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a, lo- a lot of times the impact, the potential for impact, is hiding or lurking in the shadows of the things that might not work, uh, and leaning into the fear of those things can be super productive. Yeah, I think also with with making an impact. I feel like when I look back on my path and, you know, what I'm most interested in now, it's about making a, if, if I had to choose, it would be about making a deeper impact with a smaller group of people mm-hmm. than it would be about touching, you know, a bunch of people really lightly um, with a tweet here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I've, I've also traditionally not been as good at that. Too. Like I'm not great at writing awesome tweets. Yeah. Um, and it, it's also just nerve wracking for me that I'm writing this thing and and everyone's gonna see it and and I don't know anything about the people who are reading it. Um, and and it just doesn't ever feel like 140 characters is enough room to say what I want to say with enough nuance. So there's also a bit of that baked in that it's just probably not what I'm um, as good at. But I feel like make I, it's really tempting to want to reach the most um, people possible, the greatest number of followers or the most blog subscribers. And for me, I think um, there's so much to be done with interacting with maybe a smaller group of people, but really changing the way that they think and operate and move through life and touching, touching a smaller group deeply so that, you know, they're, they're fully convinced of a thing or fully changed on a, on a certain topic and can then um, go off and spread that message or make deeper change in other people. Um, so for me, I think the quality over quantity has been, has been a pretty big thread in um, the projects that I'm interested in and um, where I think I can make the biggest impact. That's, that's excellent. I mean, 
that is, I mean, our episode with Seth was about self-awareness and the first couple seasons of the show were about that. And I, it sounds like that's where, like you can punch, <laughs> once you know how your body works, you can punch the hardest, you know, if you know the best way to swing. And I feel like that's sort of how you're, oh, and a perfect, a perfect analogy for West KO. Oh, <laughs> wow. There's our name joke. We, we <laughs> thought we weren't going to do one, but we did one and I'm glad we did. No, but truly though, I, I think knowing, so kn- knowing yourself and knowing that, okay, you using social media as an example, but knowing that opening yourself up in that way is actually maybe uh, damaging to your overall contribution and knowing that you can give more and create more with a smaller group or by foregoing certain other things. I think that's just like, it's excellent, um, excellent awareness. I yeah, think, I, I think there's also, oh, no, please. Okay, I'll, continue. I'll continue. It's okay. a safe space. Um, I think it's also about, um, understanding that we have a finite reserve of energy and emotional bandwidth. And so, yes, you can spread it across a ton of different things and ton of different platforms. But if, if you know what gives you joy and where where you get your energy from, like for me, I have always liked one-on-one um, hangouts with friends, you know, or like small groups, um, and and that kind of goes goes back to the quality over quantity piece. But I've just I just felt like I could better understand people and and better. Um, share my thoughts in a small group setting where people are really opening themselves up. Um, So for me, it's about how do I lean into that and make that scalable in different ways as opposed to um, necessarily trying to be bigger for the sake of being bigger. Totally. (sighs) Wow. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we have been talking about it this entire time, Impact, if we, even if we weren't talking about it directly, because what it means, at least to me at the end of the day, is the impression that you're making on people with everything that you do. And everything that we do does have an impact. And everything that we receive from others creates an impact on us. And the word impact in and of itself is suggesting a lasting impression. It's you know literally impacting, right? And so thinking about it intentionally, like this conversation has alluded to, and understanding what type of impact you want to make and how you think you best make it. And maybe to some people, making a a light impact across a broad spectrum is what they want to do. And that is how they're Mm -hmm. most effective. Uh, But what it comes down to is understanding your vision for what you want your impact, your lasting impression on the people in your life to be. And if you don't know that, then you, you're you're kind of at square zero, right? Nobody wants to be at square zero, Vince. Ooh. That's like the worst square. <laughs> That's of all the worst squares. square. I mean, I hate to be so judgmental, but hey, so Vin- I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on that. Oh, nice. I know, I know. Yes, I'm gonna push back on that because I think that we're never really at square zero. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're not sure where you want your impact to be, or what is the best way to um, to amplify your impact? There, there are already things that sound more interesting or fun to you that you're probably better at, or that that you want to explore more. And so, it's not like we're ever just a clean slate where um, where it's like we don't know where to start. You know, I think it's it's asking yourself the right questions and um, maybe acknowledging that that you tend to like this thing more than that thing. And you do have an opinion or an assertion about um, where you like spending your time and just admitting to yourself that, you know what, I tend to like these situations more and knowing that about myself, how can I, how can I make the biggest impact and, and lean in that direction? Vince. Yeah, I, I, I do think you're correct. Uh, and I think it's also like a little semantics, which is, you know, my my mistake for rebringing it up now. But I think there there is a moment where there's plenty of people who don't even have that conversation with themselves, though. There's no internal discourse about 
you know, maybe do I like things more than other things? It sounds really simple, but I think there are people out there who aren't having that conversation with themselves. And one might argue that they are at square zero, but I mean, at this point, we're splitting hairs. We're splitting squares, if you will. And uh, <laughs> and I think you and I are actually aligned in opinion that what what it really means holistically is even if you think you haven't made any progress, you are unintentionally making progress. You need to seek out what that progress is mm. and then latch onto it. Um, in that way, I agree, definitely. Man, yeah. it took a lot of self-restraint. And I'm so proud of myself for not pointing out how right Wes was and how wrong you were, Vince. <laughs> hey, the prophecy's coming true. <laughs> uh, oh, Vinny, Vinny boys. We're talking about impact, legacy, lasting impressions. You know what comes mm-hmm. to mind, Vince? What what comes to mind for you? Sort Grant? of early formative, uh, especially musical experiences, Vince. Like, uh, oh, we all have them. P- perhaps, like, uh, we could we could go a little bit off topic from the main topic. <laughs> I think that's a great idea, Grant. Thank you. I would agree. I I will say most of my ideas tend to be great, which is pretty cool. And Which is definitely <laughs> not confirmation bias. It's, it's just empirically true. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, so today we're talking perhaps first albums, first formative, impactful albums, musical mm-hmm. albums, musical artists. I'm going to leave that a little bit open uh, to interpretation, depending on the fogginess or clarity of your memories. Um, and I don't know how much, well, <laughs> say I don't know how much of a fan of music Wes is, but it it seems like a pretty human trait to be a fan of some type of music, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay. Yes, yes. Right again. Look at I me. I'm on a roll. Be, I tend to be terrible at I tend to be terrible at cultural references though. Nice. It's kind of an office a running office joke that um I haven't seen very many classic movies for some reason. I know all of them, but I just haven't personally seen them. Sometimes I'll even quote from movies that I haven't seen. Because I've, I've, you know, heard other people. You know the reference. Wow. Know the plot in general, but I haven't actually seen movies. Wow. Talk about impact. That's like <laughs> when when your art has transcended people needing to see it and consume it to reference it. That's when you know the impact has been creator sized. Creator sized. I liked that. Uh, Vin, do you have any formative uh, musical tastes, experiences, anything that really sticks out in your mind? Oh yeah. Um, one of my great pop cultural shames is that um, my musical taste would be considered, well, in my own opinion, so this is like already sort of a bastardized comment, but to be super bad until like deep into college. <laughs> like I had absolute trash tier music tastes for a long time. Like what does that mean? Uh, trash tier. So I was like <laughs> trash tier. Imagine the most surface level in vogue emo pop type musical taste palette you can imagine and then make it even worse even even more generic that was me in high school who baby (laughs) i mean and and don't get me wrong some of these some of these artists i still have only semi guilty pleasures for because i think there's some really catchy and cool elements to their music but I'm talking bands like All American Rejects. Sure, your your Avril Lavigne's, <laughs> dude. Uh, you've got. Oh, here's what I yeah, will say. I know, Avril. No, here's what Avril's I'll say, man. The... It's a damn cold night. <laughs> trying oh, to figure there it out. is. Vince, my musical tastes are super mainstream, also. So I'm with you on that. Hand, take me somewhere. <laughs> and you know, I don't know who you are. And you know what? The thing about mainstream music I'm is. With you. Uh, there's like, there's a lot of criticisms that you can level against it that are extremely viable and reasonable, but it is in a way fun being part of like blockbuster culture, which is sort of the same thing, but it's like billboard culture, which is all getting behind the same like pop moment in music is a pretty fun thing to do as like a, as a, as a culture and as a group. I I loved all American rejects and I loved Avril Lavigne straight up. We should. We're gonna show notes the damn cold night music video. It's her like wandering. <laughs> it's her wandering through these like parties and just like being so sad. And 
Yeah. And Damn Cold Night is like is like almost a bad example because it's like a legitimately good song. Beautiful, yeah, okay. And so like me in high school wouldn't have liked that Avril Lavigne song. That's the problem. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wait, did you like Skater, you like skater Boy? Did you like Skater Boy? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm all in on Skater Boy when, okay, I was, like, nice. when I was that age. And but I actually loved uh, All American Rejects too. Swing, swing. Swing, swing. That song's awesome. Swing, I don't swing. care who you are. Yeah. And actually, I think yep. I saw an All American Rejects concert, maybe one of my first concerts with. Oh, okay. no, no, wait. Oh yeah, with plain white tees and oh, uh, yeah. and simple hey there, plan Delilah. and simple plan. <laughs> oh, oh and, simple plans. Oh and, my gosh! And Paramore. Do you remember Paramore? Paramore is awesome. Still, they're yeah. still around. They're yeah. still around. Wow. I, w- I went to a yellow card concert. Oh, um, the yellow card's legitimately good. Dude. Like, yeah, I think everyone there was seventeen. Also. Oh my god! So my friend and I were definitely. I have over like a decade old. I have like a weird voyeuristic like <laughs> desire to have like the VR Wes like uh, uh, yellow card concert experience. I would pay for that. <laughs> like if, that maybe would be a good. I do. Do either of you like country by any chance? Ooh, I love country. No, definitely Ooh. not. So I feel but... like country is is a group is a genre that people hate on just by default. They'll just say I like anything but country. Which yeah, I feel yeah. like oh, it is, is very, very fashionable to say exactly that. Yes, it's very unfair to country. That's fair. That's fair. That's a fair assessment no, of the unfairness. I mean, yeah. you're certainly right. Anything that's like a mass generalization is like almost assuredly unfair. Categorically. So unfair. it's hard to argue with that. That does surprise me, though. I uh, Do you have like a favorite country artist or? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I saw Keith Urban in concert. Awesome. In what? San Jose. Keith. Keith, a legend. Yeah. He's a legend in his own time. He's totally a legend. So my friend um, worked for Clorox, and they had a Kingsford Cole um, partnership or something where Keith was, I don't know, like helping to promote the brand. Um, so she had, she had tickets, and she and I went. So we got to actually meet Keith himself <laughs> backstage. So it was, it was amazing because... They lined everyone up. It was like a group of 20. And they were like, all right, you guys can go in single file. And um, Keith was waiting there to give every single person a hug as they walked Oh, in. my God, Keith. And he was a great hugger. <laughs> oh, he's a good hugger? Yeah. It wasn't one of those hollow, like, caved hugs. It was a full, like, yes, we're friends kind of hug. And I felt like that was just such a great... Um, a brand moan for him also because like now I tell everyone that Keith Urban is amazing Dude. and an incredibly genuine individual. That's it. And everyone man. should listen to his music. Damn, I think I think Keith Urban just got a new fan right here on this side of the mic. Uh, I'm gonna oh I'm gonna stay I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna stay out of that one. But you guys <laughs> you guys got Keith. He's yours. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, Grant, what, what was your formative uh, album? Uh, I know we've already flirted with it. We kind of, honestly, I think we were actually pretty aligned uh, somewhat. I, I feel like it was a combination of that kind of emo pop, like Simple Plan, like Jet. I Jet hit me super hard. Uh, I don't know if you remember. What oh, was yeah, that? Jet. I don't know what that album was called, but it was like, had Are You Gonna Be My Girl? It also had that oh, tragic song called Timothy about the mm. suicide. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just had uh, some layers. Um, that one really did. And then I had my dad. Uh, my dad had this gigantic like 200 CD holder of like all old music, like a lot of like Foreigner and like uh, the Eagles. The Eagles hit me super hard. Yeah, the Eagles, man. Wow, <laughs> that. I- I was going to make the Big Lebowski quote, but I don't actually remember it for Ben, so I just gave <laughs> well, up. Hey, just, Wes probably knows it. She hasn't seen the movie, but... I know. I was going to say, this could this does fall in my set <laughs> yeah, of things. Your jurisdiction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and no, I haven't seen the movie either. Uh, <laughs> terrific. Um, that, I mean, that's awesome. I feel like Jed is like... That's like a stage two for me. That's that a stage when, like, two, maybe. I, I got into like... I might have been jumping it. Yep, strokes like that, for sure. Influenced, but I would say higher, higher depth. More, yeah. There's more texture to that music, uh, dude. You know what's weird? I have a, I have like a specific memory or connotation of like Avril Lavigne and Kazaa and MySpace. Oh, like, yeah, and, and an old computer. Happened. Like I have, like I can like picture that. Like 
early year technology streaming downloads. Oh, Grant, this is Kazaa and LimeWire and Frostwire and like, <laughs> LimeWire. Yes, uh, those those are like one of my most treasured memories because <laughs> we are like we were a blip on the radar technologically speaking. We were like the only generation and a small part of that generation to experience the beauty of Kazaa and LimeWire. Oh, God. Just the inherent dangers. Yeah. The hoops we had to jump through for a single song. Like, to, we had to download a song all night and pray that it was correct. God, you and, know? and the video stuff. Yeah, and just the insane, like file management systems of that time and shared shared computers you know family the whole family on one computer oh man now we're getting we're waxing nostalgic man uh-oh i'm gonna twirl into but, i mean say like mentioning a formative music experience for someone that's our collective age yeah and not mentioning like those pirating services and also the media player with like the different like blobs and like Oh my god! Things that like designs. What do, you, uh, what do they even call it? The equalizer. The, the equalizer. The visualizer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe. And maybe that, the visualizer was like a big deal. Like I had to match the right visualizer to what I was listening to. I'm now middle picturing school me too. was not compromised. The like at the same time we'd have definitely have like an AIM or like an MSN messenger window up. Just have these oh like, my graphic god. influences now. Yeah, yeah. With, with oh, there were deep friendships from oh. AIM. Ah! Okay. I was actually an MSN messenger plebe, but AOL was also cool. <laughs> Shouts out, uh, man! <laughs> wow. Uh, all right, let's let's rein this in. Yeah, let's rein this nostalgic, crazy I'm, train. I'm melting. I'm melting. I'm twirling. I mean, hey Wes, we we talk about impact when we when we wrap up a conversation here on Ten Thousand Hours. We like to ask our guests two questions. All right, I'm ready. Awesome, great. You sound ready. She Uh, Vince. She did sound ready. Just so you know, there's no arguing. I'm going to co-sign that. (laughs) First question: How can our listeners support you, Wes Ko? Hmm. I, w- I wasn't expecting that question. Um, hmm. I think continuing to um, reflect and think about what kind of impact you want to make in the world um, is a great place to start for yourself and is also great for the world and um, me. So I'd say, yeah, I'd say keep keep thinking about the impact that you want to make and ways to go in that general direction. Um, I, I go with that. Such a selfless answer. That's our question. That's like permission to plug your stuff. And you instead have decided to, to leave with a kernel of wisdom, which is generous of you and very indicative of the conversation we've had so far. So do that people. Uh, our, our second question uh, it's going to kind of be in the same vein now, Wes, but uh, I'm sure that you can be up to the challenge. If you'd like our listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show, what would you want that to be? Hmm. I think the one takeaway would be to question some of the assumptions that you might be operating with. Um, because I've personally seen that people really do change. And I feel like I've changed. I see people change all the time, daily, in my work with the Alt-MBA. So um, I think the idea that you know people are fixed in who they are and the way, the way they do things is really limiting and just not true. So um, this, this goes back to the first question of continuing to reflect and figure out where do you want to contribute in this world. Um, but I'd say that the one takeaway is don't let other people box you in. Don't box yourself in and draw yourself a bigger box. Woo. Yikes. That it, is, that's great. That's, that's a, really a good. striking visual. I like that. Draw yourself a bigger box is like, that's, I can really get behind that. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Wes. I feel like I want to improve myself now. Suddenly, Ooh. Vince, is this going like to be? Wes, 
Wes, you, you've made me reflect on my own box. Vince, I don't like what I see. Vince, this will be the impact pact. Right. The impact pact of 2017. Vinny Coach. That's actually great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Capital P, baby. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> hey, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, registered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Copyright. Um, Wes, thank you so much for coming on, and, and thank you for the work you're doing, and just the the general positivity and encouragement and, and yeah, impact so you are making. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's it's awesome to see, and I think it's it's a really helpful example for people um, as they consider their own impact. So, thank you. And I'm wondering, Vince, you've had a lot of honors th- today. I'm wondering if I could maybe have the last honor. Well, we'll give the, yes. the true honor to, to Wes, hopefully. Uh, Wes, we sign off the show every, uh, every week by saying ship it uh, at the end. I think a, a term you're certainly familiar with. Uh, I'm wondering if you could leave 10,000 Hours listeners with a Wes KO ship it. So I just say ship it? Yeah. Yep, that's okay. right. Yep. Yeah. Can, can all three of us say it at, at once? Can I count down for all three of us to say it? Hell yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's all right, do I'm going to count us down. Okay, we're going to put our hands in the middle here. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm, okay. t- I'm touching the mic stand. All right. I'm doing it too. Okay. Okay, three, two, one. Ship, Ship it. it. What? Guys. Okay, what? we're going to do that again. We're going to do that again. <laughs> say it. After we count down three, two, one. Okay. I feel like you went on a hard half count. You went on a half count, Wes. Okay, wait, wait. Listen, productivity is the goal. Just a little bit more space at the end, and let's get aligned. We got this, guys. No, you're right. You're right. All right. Three, two, one. Ship Ship it. it. Guys! All right, we're shipping it. There's so much shipping going on. Yeah, yeah. I, we're I felt, that as a win. Wes, I felt like you and I were aligned. It was layered. It was a cheered approach. It was, yeah, it was a double, a double punch. It was that classic, <laughs> that classic that KOKO. Classic one, two. <laughs>